0: I just want to welcome you. Thanks for being here. There's a lot of places you could be today. So uh, I, I just hope we can just rest in this moment and not, not rush through it and just let, let God have His way. I want to welcome everybody watching online. We've got friends all over the country and different parts of the world that are watching. So we love you all. You're part of our fam today, listening, driving down the road. So we're thankful for that. Excited what God's doing uh, in this season. I can't believe it's 2019. Like it's crazy. I thought we would have flying cars by now. I don't know about you. Anybody else? I grew up on the Jetsons. Like, any, any kids in the room, like, know what the Jetsons are? Like, look it up on YouTube. I'm sure there's, like, like pirated videos on, <laughs> of the Jetsons somewhere. That oh, was amazing. I just thought we'd have flying cars by now, you know? And we're, we're almost, two, you know, over 2,000 years since uh, Jesus was born, and we're coming up on 2,000 years since he's been resurrected. And uh, it's, just, it's just amazing. I mean, Christians have been celebrating this day for all that time, like people that were following him before he died. And then, and then now, what God's done all throughout the world. I mean, isn't like just get a grip for just a second on the magnitude of how it spread from Jesus calling fishermen on the side of a pond, like come and follow me. And then, like there was one, and then there was three, and then there was twelve, and then there was seventy-two, and there was one hundred forty-four. And then it was, and then, and then we're we're here, like we've. Been, Invited to the family of God and and called to live out the kingdom of God here on earth as in heaven what I mean just the gravity of that like we could just be like sermon over it's just so it's so big, and so i I, I pray. That we understand just the, the bigness of our God and, and uh, the, the, the glory of God that is present all over the world today as, as believers, you know come together to celebrate and uh, two thousand years, a lot has changed since then. I, the thing that I feel like I'm so, like very keenly aware that has changed. Um, here recently is our communication, the way we communicate. And so like, I don't want to go all the way back. I thought it'd be fun to kind of go back a little bit on the history of communication. Like we won't go back to hieroglyphics. Uh, You won't go back that far, but maybe just like in my lifetime, uh, how communication uh, has changed. I don't know if some of you guys remember this. You guys remember the old rotary phone? Somebody grew up with one of those, have those? Yeah, absolutely. I, re- I remember, you know, going into, uh, my, my parents never had one, my, my grandparents did, and we would, you know, play with that. Uh, yeah, it took a little longer to dial 911, you know, like, come on, like, something's going on. Uh, I remember that one. You guys remember this one? You guys still have one of those? Anybody, where are you at? People who still got the landline, hanging on, Hang on. Yes, there's a couple in the house, rocking the landline, nothing wrong with it. Uh, this, the long cord, anybody have the long cord thing going on? Absolutely. I, I remember that. That's totally like a dad move. Like, Dad, can we get one in the other room? No, 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 we'll just get a cord, and, like, we're not going to buy another one. We don't need another one. We just need a longer cord. So we just get a $2 cord as opposed to a $20 phone. Uh, what about this one? You guys remember this? Anybody, anybody remember the big cell phones, right? The big ones, right? Kids in the room, young people. So before cell phones could fit in your pocket, you used to have to carry a suitcase around to take them somewhere if you wanted to make a call. I mean, it's just hard to, like, even imagine what uh, that that was like, so... Uh, what about this one? You guys remember this one? Living the pager life, right? I was living that pager life for a while, living my best pager life. This is actually like a, a replié of my pager growing up. You know, like a translucent turquoise. That was mine. It was like, I'm going to be at the movies. If you guys need anything, page me. It's like Doogie Hauser, like page me. I'll be at the movies, <laughs> right? What about this one? You guys remember this one? AOL Chats. Some of you remember this? Still a thing. Before there was text messaging, there was this. This is where BRB came from, right? Be right back. I was like, I'll be back. I'm going to eat a sandwich. Come back and we'll chat in a minute. So for those of you in the room that want to get, you know, mad at millennials, the younger generation, they're messing up the English language, we started that. Like, we started that a long time ago. TTYL, you know, we'll talk to you later. We need to bring it back. Uh, it's just just uh, amazing. For, the, for those of you s- students who don't really know what AOL is, so a long time ago, um, the Internet used to come in the mail in a CD. Um, and it was $9.95 a month uh, for five hours. Just to put that in, in, uh, in terms of today, we spend about 24 hours. The average American spends about 24 hours a day or uh, a week on the Internet. So you get five hours a month for 995, and it's OK. If you went over, you could buy another hour for 295. So <laughs> you know, just think about how much that would cost now hundreds of, of dollars uh, for the Internet. And so we've come, we've come a long way in our communication. It's, we, we live in this culture today in which uh, very public pronouncement, like all these private forms of communication, now we have all these public forums. And so we're kind of obsessed in our culture, even if you personally aren't, in our culture with these public pronouncement social media type of uh, venues and forums for uh, us to be able to tell everybody what we had for dinner, you know, because they wanted to know. They were asking, what are, I wonder what Kyle's eating for dinner tonight. Cool. Um, <laughs> you know, it, we use these public pronouncement forums for, hey, come to my church on Easter. It's awesome. Or my boss is terrible. I just want you to know. Or this is what I think about the president. We, we use this public pronouncement you know, platforms all the time. And One thing I, I, I've um, really admired and really thought was really interesting about the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus is, is something that's called the Messianic secret. In the Gospel of Mark, it's a theme or a, a motif throughout John's go- or, excuse me, Mark's Gospel in which Jesus, anytime he would heal someone or he would do something incredible in their life, he would just be like, shh, don't tell nobody. I just love that. I was like, that's so crazy, but it it kind of baffles my mind because Jesus, like, don't you want us spreading the good news? But here in the Gospel of Mark, there's this theme of like, don't don't tell anybody. In the Gospel of Matthew, we actually see something similar in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, in which Jesus says, look, when you pray, don't stand out in the street corner so everybody can see you. Like, pray. Pray. And secret. And when you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. And when you fast, just don't make yourself look like you haven't been eating for a while. Like clean up, and so it's not like oh he's he's spiritual. And when you you serve, don't don't serve so everybody can see you, or that's like your reward in itself. And and even in in Jesus's resurrection, like we see Jesus, like in the moment in which, in my mind, if. I were resurrected and I had all these haters who had crucified me and even my disciples who doubted me, I would want to run around like, boom, in your face, in your face, in your face, take the most of the opportunity to make a huge public pronouncement, like do a sermon on the mount too, like bring it back, like come back, like this is the opportunity for repentance, but we don't see anything like that from Jesus. We see Jesus coming to individuals. We see Jesus encountering with small groups. The First uh, Corinthians tells us or Paul tells us through that letter that Jesus appeared to hundreds and hundreds of people, over five hundred even at, at one time, just walking through the crowds. And um, in in this moment, uh, you know, Paul tells us that. Uh, these people, they saw Jesus' resurrected body, and as if, if you didn't believe it, then hey, just go ask all these people who saw him, um, because uh, it's, it's legit. There's, most of them are still living. So to me, it seems like Jesus is far less interested and far less concerned with public pronouncements and, and far more interested in personal encounters. He's he's far less interested in public pronouncements and way more interested in personal encounters and and here here's what I know on, on this day you know many of us we've, we've we've gathered for the public pronouncement you know we're gathering to hear the word we're gathering to celebrate uh, Jesus but but I, I want you to know I I believe that that, that God has brought you here you didn't bring your, I believe that God's positioned you here for a personal encounter even if you've never had a personal encounter. Uh, before, and, and, and so as we kind of get dressed up, and today we, we try to think about bunnies and Easter candy and good meals, uh, we distance ourselves from our daily mess, I, I just invite you to come back and be honest, and, and be real, and come genuinely as you are, because that's where Jesus wants to meet you, not in some future version cleaned up of yourself. He, he wants to meet you right now on a personal uh, encounter, and to do this, I want to look at, at three different texts throughout the Gospel of John. Um, The Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all tell the story of Jesus from different uh, perspectives. Um, People who saw and witnessed it and recorded different stories. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the synoptic Gospels, which means to be seen together, synoptic. And John's Gospel is a little more thematic. Like He has these themes that kind of run throughout... His gospel, but it still ends with the resurrection. It still ends with that in John chapter twenty and twenty-one. So that's where I want to turn our attention, and we're going to read three uh, different locations, three different personal encounters, and I think they're going to speak to us today. I think they're going to speak to us. So let's begin in, in John uh, chapter twenty, beginning with verse eleven, and uh, Jesus has been crucified, and and uh, and Mary comes to his his tomb here and. In John chapter 20, uh, beginning with uh, verse uh, 11. Then the disciples went back to their homes, and, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, and one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't, I don't know where they've put him. And, at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, why are you, he said, why are you crying? Who, who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll get him. And Jesus said, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father, and uh, go instead to my brothers and tell them, and I'm returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene uh, went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. There's so much to explore in just this one text I would love to, to dive a little bit deeper, actually, last Easter, if you want to look up on the podcast, I actually went a lot deeper on this text uh, i'd love to talk about how big of a deal it is that Jesus is revealing his resurrected body first to a woman to go and tell the boys what 's happened that 's a big deal, uh, and we see that theme th- throughout the gospels there's so, there's, so, there's so much here to unpack and on earth. But I I want to talk about Mary. I want to talk about her story for a few minutes. Because if you know the Gospels, back in Luke chapter 8, we we learn about this woman named Mary Magdalene, who which there's been books and apocryphal things that have been written about Jesus' relationship with Mary. But really what it was is, is Luke chapter 8 tells us that she was a woman who had been through a lot. She was a woman that had severe trauma in her life. Luke 8 tells us that she was possessed by seven demons when Jesus found her. Seven. And like, however you want to read that, however you want to interpret it, we can all agree she had been through some stuff. She was a woman who had experienced great pain and great trauma. And then Jesus met her where she was at. And he set her free and and she becomes this devout follower, one that we'll find at Jesus' feet and we'll find her at the cross. And here she is the first one on the first Easter Sunday at his tomb because... The greater the sin, the greater the pain, the more we know we need a Savior. And so she knew she was deeply indebted, a debt she could never repay. She loved Jesus greatly. She had been delivered from a life of torment to a life of healing and hope and freedom. And then time goes on, and she pours out this expensive perfume. And then we find her here, and it seems like, the hope she once had of finding freedom, she now finds herself hopeless once again. Mourning as she comes to the tomb, expecting the stench of death and finding an empty tomb instead. I think it's most revealing how Mary was feeling when she can't recognize Jesus. <laughs> she, she thought he was the gardener. like that's, This is someone she knew well. She had experience with, she knew his voice, but it wasn't even the sound of his voice that that dried up the tears in which where she could see clearly and she knew who was standing before us. It it was when Jesus said her name, Mary, Mary. And, And I believe across this room, like some of us, we've got a clouded vision of who Jesus is. And, and frankly, that you've got reasons for it. Uh, I think like Mary, many of us are struggling because hope has been deferred once again. Proverbs 13 uh, verse 12 uh, says that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled? It's a tree of life. Like she, she was one who was hopeless and then found hope. But I think for a lot of us, like Mary in this moment, like hope had been deferred another day. Like she had hope before he was arrested and now hope's deferred. And then she thought he was going to deliver himself in the temple and free himself and put on a great or, or, orators, you know, uh, to let himself free, but, you know, to get himself out of this trial. But he did not and he, he went to the cross and hope's been deferred. And I think for a lot of us, like we're in that place too. We're like, we thought things were getting better in our marriage, but then we have a bad weekend and hope's deferred. We thought we were getting out of the financial crisis and then the car breaks down and we got to put it back on the credit card. We're like, uh. Oh. We, we thought we were getting somewhere to overcome our addiction and then we have the worst week we've ever had. Hope deferred makes the heart sick and Mary is through her tears cannot recognize Jesus and some of us because of hope, the light at the end of the tunnel has been moved and it keeps being moved Hearts are sick, and there's just this longing that needs to be fulfilled, and I think it's fulfilled when we hear our name called. I think the tears begin to dry up of the pain that we've experienced, the pain we've walked through, the trauma that we've experienced dries up when we hear his name. Some of us, we have a a marred picture of who Jesus is because of what someone else said to us. We've got a marred picture of who Jesus is because how the church treated our family when we were a little kid. Uh, we, we have a marred sense of, of who Jesus is because of how someone abused us or how someone, like you name, it, you fill in the blank there and it creates pain. And that's where Mary was. And it got clear when Jesus said her name. And, and I think we've got hope today because Jesus knows your name. he knows my name. And and we can have all the good sermons in the world. Like we can read the text, but until we are open and we are listening because God is whispering our name and he is shouting our name through the cross, through crucified Jesus. Like if we can't hear it in this environment, then then we're probably not gonna hear it out there, but there's there's good news because he is calling your name. And we can receive that and, and know that that life is changed forever. We have hope for today and hope for tomorrow. Uh, the story goes on from uh, chapter 20 on Sunday morning, and, and uh, she goes and she tells the disciples, and they're stoked about it. They're like, seriously? Like, seriously? It's like the day when I asked Taryn to marry me, and like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't know why that's like the always the woman's response. Are you kidding me? No, I'm very serious. This is not a, it's a really cruel joke. This is a really cruel joke. If, if I was joking, no, you're not the only one. It's like all women ever. Like there's not another response. Are you kidding me? So uh, yes would work. Um, and so, uh, it's, and so, um, and, and so the disciples are so excited about this and, and they gather together. They're all together. Well, all of them except one, all of them except Thomas. Have you heard of Thomas? Often called Doubting Thomas. Everybody's in the room, and Jesus just shows up like he just like transports through the wall, like something that the resurrected only Jesus can do. And he, he shows up and he's like, Y'all can chill. It's okay. And I'm like, No, we're not chilling. Like, you just came through a wall, and you're here, and you weren't here. Now you're here, and you died. And now you're living, and they're flipping out. The scriptures say they were overjoyed. They were overjoyed at this. And, and all the disciples, all. Um, ten of them at this point, uh, Judas has uh, committed suicide uh, by, by this point. But um, there's ten of them, all of them that are living except for, for Thomas. You ever felt like Thomas? Ever, ever felt like everybody's at the party except for you? Ever felt like everybody's got it all together and, and they've heard their name and, and like they're overjoyed, but you're just an outsider kind of watching their joy? ever felt like that? I want to read the text here in John chapter 20 uh, of Thomas, when Jesus shows up again, a week passes, and Jesus shows up again to him. Uh, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came that first time. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I'm I'm not going to believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And, and Thomas said to him, "My Lord, my God." Then Jesus said, "Told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. And blessed are those who have not seen, and yet uh, believe." There, there, there's a lot in this text too. I would love to explore. But one of the most compelling things is to me, once Thomas gets what he asks for, he gets what he asks for. With Mary, he says, let go of me. I have to send the Father. With Thomas, he, he says, touch me. He's meeting them where they're at. He, he didn't want Mary to get caught up in the moment. He actually wanted to send her out because she had a mission. For Thomas, where he was at, is, is, he was doubting. He needed a touch. He, he needed a touch. Mary needed affirmation and be set free once again to just receive the hope. She was ready to run. Th- Thomas was in a different place. He, he, was, he was doubting. I think Thomas gets a a, a bad rap, honestly, if, if we look through the totality of what we know about Thomas, like, he, he wasn't a doubter at all. Of that. In fact, if you go back to John chapter 11, after Lazarus has died and been resurrected, and people are not okay with Jesus's miraculous, like, not just back then, like, even now, like, some of y'all aren't okay with Jesus working in the miraculous, like. We're not okay with it. And so the disciples are, um, I'm okay with it. When I said, we're not okay with it, I meant like, you know what I mean. Okay, cool. Um, sorry, I just want to make it clear. I believe the miraculous. didn't want anybody m- misunderstand what I'm saying. Um, and, and so Jesus wants to, to go back, and his disciples are like, no, we can't go back to Judea because the Jews, they're going to stone you. And so they're like, we don't want to go back. And Thomas speaks up, and he's like, I'll go with you, Jesus you want to go? Let's do this. I got your back. I'll die with you. Doubting Thomas. Like we don't have this. It's not our whole story. What we see in a moment is not our whole story. And that story becomes like our whole identity. You know, and that's, it's not true. Like your worst moment, you're not defined by it. Thomas is not defined by his worst moment, though he often is. And so he, he finds himself just Needing Jesus to show up. That's not the, the only time we, we see Thomas really as an example uh, of faith. Other times we see Thomas as the one who's willing to ask the hard questions that nobody else is asking. We see that in, in uh, John chapter 14, verse 5. And, and, and Thomas, he was, he was willing to be honest where he was at. So this morning, as we look at Thomas with, you know, wanting to see the resurrected Jesus, I'm like, you just doubted, man. Why are you doubting? you know, he was at least he was honest. And Jesus met him where he was at. And I, and I know just as uh, there's hope for us because Jesus knows your name, I, I believe there's hope for us because he meets you where you're at. And he meets me where I'm at. He, 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 he doesn't say, get it together, man. And, and, and he calls Thomas beyond that doubt. He says, stop doubting and believe. <clears throat> and some of us we're still doubting the same things. We're still stuck in the same place. And we just need this simple phrase that Jesus said to him. Stop doubting. Like, sometimes it's the most obvious thing. Just move into the faith that's already present. It's just misorganized. It's just out of order. Like, God's not afraid of your doubt, and he's, he, he's not uh, afraid of it. But he, we can't, he can't lead us into all that he has called for us when we are living in it. When we are staying in that place, he's calling us to a place of faith, and that's what this whole thing is. It's it's faith. Uh, Thomas' story does not end there. Uh, we, We don't have this in the scriptures, but in... Um, in church tradition, we believe that uh, that Thomas, he, he would go on to reach the Far East, and he would, he would go and he would uh, preach the gospel to uh, the nation of, of India, and he would bring the gospel there, In scripture, or, or church tradition tells us that he was martyred there in India, and he gave his life for the gospel. He was not defined by this moment, but he received this hope, and he moved from a place of doubt into a place of faith and fulfilling the mission that God had given him, the calling that God had given him when God met him where he was at. And so come honestly this morning. I I wonder if in this room, if we're willing to be honest. I wonder if we're um, willing to uh, experience God through a personal encounter because that's what happened with Thomas. It, it It wasn't about the party that they were experiencing anymore. He said, my Lord. My God, this this encounter was personal. He didn't care who else was in the room with him. When it was it was personal, he was my Lord, my God, and he, and he probably regretted even doubting God. Why should I have I doubted you? Um, but but he did. Flip over to chapter twenty one, and I want to end um, with Peter and Jesus' encounter with Peter. If you don't uh, know who Peter is, Peter was a fisherman that Jesus called, and he. He started this journey by saying, come, follow me. The most simple phrase, come, follow me. And Peter is also the person that that Jesus would tell him what's coming. He's like, hey, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter, knowing it's coming, Jesus has just told him, you're going to deny me. And then when the pressure's on, he did exactly what Jesus said he's going to do. He denied him. He denied him massive failure. He was originally called Simon, but it was his birth name, and Jesus called him Peter, because Peter meant rock. And and he said, on this rock, on Peter, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is who Peter was. He was really a leader, a bold leader among the disciples. But again, uh, in this moment, he's defined by his failure, and uh, when he, he failed. So, uh, the, you know, time would go on. Jesus was on earth for 40 days after his resurrection, and this time, uh, Jesus is appearing to his disciples, and they're out fishing. Got any fishermen in the room? Right? Anybody? Yes? A few fishermen? All right, awesome. Um, yeah, these guys were, most of them were fishermen by trade, and so Jesus finds them off the shore doing what they've always done, and and God had called them to come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men, but here they are uh, back to their their old profession of just fishing, and it has not been a productive night on the water, so to speak. They fished all night, and they haven't caught anything, and like some some of you are like, well, uh, you know, a bad day on the water is better than one day in the office, you know, a good day in the office, you know what I mean? It's, it's better. And, and these, these disciples, man, they're miserable after a night. It's, we're not doing this for fun. We fish all the time. We're fishing to catch fish. And, uh, and, and they see Jesus. One of the disciples looks and he sees Jesus from the distance when Jesus called out, said, hey, have you caught anything? And uh, they don't know it's Jesus at this time. And, and he says, well, cast your nets on the other side. And so they pull in this whole giant net full of fish. They can barely get it into the boat. And um, eventually they'll, they'll notice, they probably thought Jesus was looking to buy fish. Or, you know, hey, do you have any fish? And, uh, and here he, he helped bring in great victory in their life in this moment. But one of the disciples recognized, no, that's, that's Jesus that's calling out to us. And so Peter, the one who failed greatly when the pressure was on, and he wasn't the only one, but of all people in this moment, of all people in that boat to jump out of the water and begin to swim to Jesus, I wouldn't think it would be Peter, because I know how I am when I've failed. I know I, how I am. I got to be like dragged back to the altar. Like, it's like, oh, I messed up, you know. I've, I've had these seasons, but I think I've learned more and more to be like Peter, like, just because I've messed up. And I think Peter was so anxious to throw off his outer garment and jump in that water because he knew the character of Jesus. He knew the character of Jesus. That, that Jesus wasn't going to judge him. He was going to welcome him. He had heard stories about the prodigal son. He, had, he, had, he remembers that story vividly that the father comes running to the prodigal who has gone and spent his inheritance. And so Peter dives in the water and he comes to Jesus and Jesus already had the fish fry going. They didn't need their fish. He already had plenty. And so he makes them up a little fish fry, and they're just talking, and that's where we're going to pick up in the text. That was a long setup. (laughs) So we'll, we'll keep it brief after this. Verse 15, chapter 21. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Jesus talking about the fish? Is he talking about the the disciples? Is he talking about the profession of fishing? Do you you love me more than fish? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly uh, love me? Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God, then he said to him, follow me. This ends right where it started, buddy. It's just simple. It, it's just just follow me. Just don't do this on your own. Just, just follow me. There, there's so much compelling about this text. I think it's interesting that Jesus uses his birth name, not his spiritual name. He calls him Simon over and over again. There's a repetition of three, almost to remind him of how many times he failed him. Don't be surprised in your failure, in the shame that you find yourself in at any point in your life. Don't be surprised if Jesus makes you confront it. Because I think many times what we want to do is we just want to move on and act like everything's cool. Like, it's cool. Came to church on Easter Sunday. It's, it's cool. Like, yeah, uh, um, I loved you, Jesus. Yeah, I love you. I'll sing some songs. And, and we just act like everything's cool and, and, and want to move on and just enjoy the, fi- enjoy the fish fry. But before we can walk in what God has called us to, we can't move so fast past this. Jesus will remind us, will remind us of of the things we haven't overcome. He'll remind us of this, and, and not in a, c- a condemning voice, but actually in, to empower us, to, to clean out the wound. Because if not, we'll just throw the Band-Aid on, and it'll get infected, and it'll end up having to cut the leg off or something. And so I, I just want to call us to a place this morning to, to be real and to have the heart that Peter has, because we know what, what Peter knows, that he's, Jesus is good. Like, he's, he's, he's good. And so to jump in the water, whatever failure you're up against, there's, there's hope for it today. There's hope because Jesus is alive. And like, he paid the price. It's not about anything we've done. It's not about your perfection, Peter. It's not about, it's not about your pain, Mary. It's not about your doubt, Thomas. This is, about, this is about Jesus. It's about our risen Lord who is standing before us. And we've got hope because he's alive. He's alive today. We don't see him walking around, but I see him walking around in each of you. Like, Christ is living in us. Like, he's alive and, 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 and able to, to conquer death, hell, and the grave today just like he was then. I said, don't wait on the boat anymore in shame. Don't wait back on the boat. Like, how is he going to respond? No, he, he's going to welcome you. He's going to come running out to you. There's hope today. Whether you're battling pain and you just can't see Jesus clearly through your pain. Whether you're battling doubt because it's, it's just a season of doubt. Like, I'm struggling with some stuff. Like, be real. Jesus meets you where you're at. Or, or maybe th- this morning, you're, you're battling failure. Battling shame. And it's like, I don't want to get off this boat. But I think if, like Peter, we know the character of God and we know how Jesus is going to respond, we're going to do the same thing. Now, that encounter, it's going to get real. It's going to get very real as Jesus makes us confront our sin. And so I, I want to ask you where you're at today. And first of all, have you had a personal encounter with Jesus? Not a public pronouncement of Jesus but a personal encounter in which, like Mary, I've been delivered greatly. And maybe hope's been deferred a little bit, but there is a wellspring of life when that longing is fulfilled. And what Jesus said on the cross is it's fulfilled. It's finished. He he said it's finished. And so we can hold on to that. And that is our hope for today. That is our hope for the future. Maybe it's just doubt that's eating you away. Maybe it's your failure. I don't know, I don't know what it is, but, but I believe that God wants to have a personal encounter with each and every one of us today. We make this so complicated. It's as simple as admitting you're a sinner, which is not rocket science. All of us are. So you're in good company. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23 tells us. The salvation we receive is by grace. Through faith... That Jesus is who he said he was, like Taryn said earlier. He is who he said he was. And it's taking my repentance and turning away from my sin. Not, 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 not saying, I'm sorry, and then continuing back in it. No one who makes a pattern of sin is called a friend of God. I walk in friendship and a personal encounter on a daily basis. And it's confessing from our lips. It's speaking to someone and saying, hey, I've never told anyone this out loud before but I believe that God's working. I believe that he has a plan for my life. I believe that he sent a son for for me. He's my Lord and he's my God. And I just believe today, some of us are gonna cross a threshold in which it's been a public pronouncement and now it's a personal encounter. It's, It's been, I'm hearing it. I can kind of see him from the boat, but we're unwilling to jump in the boat today. Jump in the boat. Jump in the boat. I'm not going to make this hard. I'm not going to make this crazy. I just want to ask you to stand, everyone in this room, stand with me. And I want to pray over you. Before I do, I want to ask you a few questions. I want to ask you a few questions. Just with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask you a few questions. Let me just know where you're at so I can know how to pray. Is that okay? Uh, First, if you're in this room, and and nobody's looking around, so it's just between me, you, and Jesus. Um, If you're in this room and say, Pastor, like I... I know, I, I don't have a, a pure view of Jesus. I, I think he's a gardener. I think he's a good teacher. Um, I don't have a clear view of Jesus, and it's because of pain. It's because of something that happened to me. It's because of stuff I've gone through. It's trauma I've dealt with. If that's you and say, I, I, I want a clear view of Jesus, can you just raise your hand with me today? I've, I've gone through some stuff. All right, thank you. You can put your hands down. Across this room, if, you, if you're here today, and and you say, Pastor, like I'm, I want to believe. Like I have good days, but I'm going through a season right now of doubt. I need Jesus to meet me where I'm at. If, if, if that's you, will you just lift up your hand? Nobody's looking around. Just let me know how I can pray for you. All right, thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. If you're in this room, and and and. <laughs> You know God's called you to great things. You, you know that deep inside of you, he's told you that, but you feel marred by failure. There's, there's even maybe shame that failure has attached itself to you. And you feel like it's your identity. I'm, I'm, I'm just a screw-up now. I'm, I'm just a failure. I'm, I'm just a foreign care. This is who I am. If, I'm just a liar. This is just who I am now. It's your identity. If you're, if you're battling that, that failure, that sense of failure, can you just raise your hand and let me know how to pray for you? Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. I want to pray for you now. God, as humbly as I know how, I'm, I'm, I'm praying over this room right now. I'm praying over people that are struggling, uh, and I pray that you would help every single soul in here to see you clearly, to, to hear your voice and not mistake you for some other teacher or some other religion, but God, that, that you are, are the way, you're the truth, you're the life, you're the risen king, you're in your, your mind. God, I pray that the pain of what happened last year or 10 years ago or five years ago, I I pray that it would just dissipate and hope would arise, God, a a wellspring of life that has been fulfilled and it's been fulfilled at the cross of what you did at Calvary. God, I I pray for those right now, God, that want to believe but are, are struggling, help our unbelief. God, help us to not wait wait on the sidelines and just be honest, really where we're at. God, this is where we're at. God, I'm broken. I'm afraid. I'm I'm doubting. Are you really going to show up like you said you would? God, give me the faith of Camden Jude. God, give me the, the faith of a child to just say you are who you said you are. To just stop doubting and move into belief. That's simple, God, just help us to be that simple to step. God, and for those that feel overcome by their failure, God, overcome by shame and feel like they're living in their old identity and they can kind of see through the glass, they can see there's something on the other side here. There, there possibly is hope, but I'm scared to death to get out of the boat, God. Would you just let faith rise up and faith rising up because we know your character and we know your goodness. And so we dive out of the boat to come to you, God. Would you help us in that time to come face-to-face with our failure, to come face-to-face face with our shame and know, God, that you call us beyond that. You call us to a deep love that, that is not you know, changed under pressure, but, God, it's only refined under pressure. God, would you let hope rise in this house that every soul here would walk out with full hope, not just for today, but for eternity, God. This life is a vapor. It is a glimpse, God. Help us to have our eyes and our hearts set on eternity, not of the temporary struggles of today. Help us to fix our eyes on you. In Jesus' name. Amen. There's going to be some folks up here that would love to pray with you. I, I encourage you, I challenge you to step out of your seat and receive prayer if you're going through one of these times, or, or maybe you didn't even raise your hand, I'm like that's just me, I need prayer right now. Would you come and, and pray, and uh, this band's going to lead us in just an awesome declaration of worship.